want to think about the joy of making a team. I don't know if you ever tried out for a team and you made like a sports team or maybe it was an audition for a part in a, in a play or a job interview, something where you, uh, you, you had to audition or try out and they, they say, hey, congratulations, we want you to be part of our team, you made it. And uh, my kids in the past couple of years, they've had various opportunities to make teams, and especially when there's different levels or when there's cuts. And you really, it's just quite an accomplishment even to just to make the team. I remember as a kid, not making the team. Uh, in junior high, I did not make the basketball team. And I tried out, and I was quite tall. I actually stopped going in eighth grade, so I thought just by my, my size and ability that the coaches would see something in me. And I, I looked at the list on the wall, and I put the list out, my name's not on the list. I didn't make the team. I tried so hard. And it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, you, you don't make the team, you don't get the promotion. I have just, just, um, just, Last week, I, I was I applied for a scholarship for some of my studies, and I wrote a really good essay, and I knew that I, I nailed the essay, and I got all my information in, and I got a letter that said that they did not approve my scholarship, and I was just so bummed out. It was with Pastor Brian, I was reading the email, and his advice to me was, he said that I should join the Air Force. This <laughs> <laughs> I was actually considering it. But I was a little bummed. And so anyway, in Luke chapter 9, so the chapter before this one, uh, we have Jesus makes a special team. He calls the twelve. And then the twelve disciples, we know, we know their names. You know, their names like uh, Andrew, Peter, and, and James, and, and John, and, and, and Thomas, and then just the famous twelve, you know, the twelve. And, um, imagine you're, you're, you know, you're with Jesus and you don't get picked for the twelve. You go home to your spouse and you say, yeah, I, I didn't make a team today. Your wife says, well, you know, who did make the team? Peter. <laughs> Matthew. The tax collector? Yeah, Matthew the tax <laughs> Judas. He's kind of sketchy. Nobody really trusts that guy. <laughs> um, but then Jesus has this other group. So in the next chapter here, in chapter 10, Jesus appoints 72 others. Not the twelve, but the others. And even the word, even the word, the word in Greek is um, uh, heteros. Um, so we, we know you know it better from the Latin version, cetera, which is others, etc., and the others. So there's the twelve, and then there's seventy-two, etc. <laughs> and that's uh, he gets picked. And I think there's times, you know, where even spiritually, you know, I'm not, you know, I didn't make the A team, I'm not in the starting lineup, I'm not kind of etc. You feel like the other. Or so you say, look, I don't, you know, I don't work at a church, you know, I can't play the piano like Fernando, can't get all fired up preaching like Pastor Brian, um, you know, I can't pray in front of people, I get too nervous. I'm just, you know, other, and just something other. And here's the beauty, though, of being the other with Jesus. He gives them the exact same ministry that he gave the twelve. If you read in Luke 9, the things he told the twelve to do, he tells the 72 to go and do the exact same thing. It's the same ministry. 
And if, and if we consider our own ministry, Jesus has given us the exact same ministry as he gave to the 12, as he gave to the 72. We're all the other, but it's a beautiful other. And it's, it's a mission that gives our lives purpose. It's, it's our life, it's our everyday life mission. We've been calling this sermon series the Everyday Life Mission. And you see on the thing, not top secret. This is not a top secret mission. This is one that Jesus has clearly given his followers. And again, now this 72, he specifically gave them some instructions. This is not uh, instructions for us today, but there's reality of ministry in following Jesus, the ministry of the other, that is absolutely applicable for us today. That is, it's the reality of ministry that we uh, still live out in our lives today as the other. So I want to look at what Jesus told them and consider how we might live this way as well. So let's pray. Let's begin. So Father God, uh, you are good to call us to be part of your family. You've given us each a role that we are a body, Lord, and that each part is important in your eyes. I pray this morning as we gather to worship you and give you the praise that you deserve. As we look at your word, Lord, help us to see our part. Help us to see what you're calling us to, that uh, we might live lives that glorify you and advance your beautiful kingdom in this world, Lord. May that be during this time. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, four, I want to give you four realities of ministry of the others. The first reality is that um, this ministry is for everyone, not just the special ones. We see right away um, in, in verse 1 where Jesus commissions these 72. We see that it's, it's a broad ministry. And the reason I say that is because of the numbers here. And, and numbers are important. Jesus calls 12 disciples specifically that he's the leader and he has 12 key followers. Anybody who under, you know, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that 12 is a very significant number. Uh, in the Old Testament, God was unveiling his saving work in the world in one nation of people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who was also known as Israel. And he had 12 sons, and there was 12 tribes. And through these 12 tribes, God was revealing himself to his world, his saving work. That God created a world that was good, God created a world that was perfect, but humans sinned. Humans turned from God's way, and, the, and, and death and brokenness and separation from God is rampant in the world, but God said, I'm going to save this world, and it's through this one nation, through these 12 tribes, I'm going to complete this work. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, I'm going to bring 12 followers here to continue God's saving work. So Jesus... Uh, essentially saying, this is the new Israel, this is a, the, the new people through which my blessing will be known. Then he goes and he commissions 72 more disciples to go and bring this message to the world. 72 is a significant Old Testament number. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 10, there was a listing of all the nations of the world. And of all the nations of the world, you add them all up, and in the, the Greek New Testament that they were using in Jesus' time, you add it up, it's 72 nations. So now Jesus says, okay, there's a new Israel, which my blessing will know, but it's not just for Israel. All the way back in the Bible, God's promise was that through this one nation, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So we have the 12, and now we have the 72 representing all the nations, that this message of the kingdom through Jesus, through what he's going to accomplish is for all people everywhere. So the 72 is significant. It's, it's a ministry for all of the followers to bring everywhere. 
And this is a, a very symbolic act that Jesus does. And the, the, for us today, the beautiful thing to remember is that our story fits into this story of the perfect world, broken by sin, a God rescuing through the nation of Israel, most powerfully fulfilled through the work of Jesus Christ, who dies on the cross, who takes all the, all the brokenness and all the sin on himself. He exchanges that for his grace, his goodness that he offers people, new life in him. So we have this beautiful exchange, and that uh, we now live in light of that kingdom, and he's going to return and fulfill it all. But our stories fit into his big story. If it doesn't, if we don't see that this is for everybody who follows Jesus, if we don't see that, we then just see our stories as what? Just part of a cosmic accident, part of waiting for something in the future, part of maybe trying to leave the world a little bit better for the next generation or being nice to people, but it doesn't fit a story of God's amazing work. But in Jesus, we are now part of that. We have a ministry. In that with every breath that we have. I had the honor of being at the bedside of a man recently who was dying. And he couldn't even think he was in a, in a hospice setting. His eye, couldn't even open his eyes. And he said to me, he said that other people in this place, where he was, he said, they don't know where they're going to go when they die. He, and he said with his eyes closed, he said, I can't remember the last time I feared death. And I know that I'm alive and my role is to pray for those people. Pray for the people who work here. As many breaths as God gives me, I'm going to be on mission for him. Because he understood his story. And his part of it on earth was coming to an end, but he knew that he was part of a bigger thing that God was accomplishing. Praise God for that. Uh, so every follower of Jesus is sent into, to this type of ministry. We, we, we use language to help people understand that. We've been here, if you've been coming to the church for any amount of time, you'll hear us talk about frontline ministry. That anywhere where you're intersecting in your everyday lives with people who don't know Jesus, that's a frontline of ministry for you that God has put you on. We talk about this time tomorrow. What are you doing this time tomorrow? What we're doing here on Sundays at 1045 is beautiful. But the ministry out there tomorrow is just as beautiful. Except one person came to me and they said, you know, at this time at, at at uh, 10.45 on Monday mornings, I'm always doing this one thing, I forget what it was, it was very awkward, is every time we say this time tomorrow, it makes them think of this really awkward thing is going to be doing the next day. So I told them, just think this time Tuesday. <laughs> Any time tomorrow, except the awkward time. You get the point. The point is that we are, um, we gather, and this is beautiful, but we are in the church as we scatter this off. And uh, everybody's on this mission. And that's the first reality of the ministry of the others, is that it's for everyone. The second reality of this ministry is that it's a ministry of lambs among wolves. Look at verse 3. Jesus says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. And I almost went there with a mystery box. And I, I could have made it really um, sensational too, but I didn't. Um, Jesus says also, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Just the size of the mission and the scope of the mission for all people everywhere, it's just. We're just very, there's an outnumbered mess that we experience. And then we become vulnerable to attack. And the reality is in our world that there are people who oppose the message of God. There are people who don't want to hear it, who, um, who don't like it. Who don't like when people share their faith. Why? Well, it threatens our autonomy. It threatens our, our very self. That, um, 
last week we looked at a passage of scripture where there was this very simple woman at the feet of Jesus. And there was Simon, who was a Pharisee, who thought he was very righteous. He didn't see himself as a sinner, as a debtor who couldn't pay a debt. But that's what exactly he was. And when you start to show people God's love and His grace, you realize that you need His grace and salvation. You realize that you need to repent of your sin. And that cuts at people's autonomy, it cuts at their self-sufficiency, and it's not a popular message. So we need to be uh, very careful as we go out as lambs among wolves. And also, just remember, our posture of ministry is lambs. We're not the wolves. Our ministry is not to attack people, it's not to berate or belittle people in any way. It's, it's one who brings a message of peace with God. And it does cut our, to our core as we share that message, but it's a posture of a lamb. Um, so we need to be vigilant because we are lambs among wolves. We need to avoid things that would distract us from the mission. In verse 4, Jesus says, don't take a purse, don't bring a bag, don't bring extra sandals, don't bring lots of stuff that you're going to have to carry with you. Don't bring a lot of money that you're going to have to manage and defend. Just go. And, and it's so easy. If this was a challenge for them, for the 72, it's certainly a challenge for us to be distracted by possessions and wealth. And looking at your day primarily as a day where you have to accomplish your job so you can get paid. And we do need to do those things. But it can easily become a pursuit of wealth, a pursuit of possessions. And it does not take long to accumulate stuff in life. I had the privilege of honored to serve my dad by cleaning up his apartment yesterday. He's in between housing things. I got to clean up his things. I'll just say this. This isn't about my dad, but just in general. It's easy to acquire stuff fast and cram closets in every corner of the apartment. Who knows what. My mother-in-law has a business, and she's been very successful in this. Her whole job is to go to people who have been hoarding stuff and to clean them out. And it takes, sometimes it takes months at one place, one house, because people have amassed so much stuff they can't even physically get to it. You have to clear out stuff that's in front of the stuff. And then there's filth in those places because you can't physically get in and clean around because it's too much possession. And that's an extreme case. And um, if you need her number, I can give you her number. <laughs>
just jot names of people you're praying for, and, and uh, that's just a resource we use to, uh, to remind us to pray for people and to prompt us. But I was with the church staff, and, and, and we will, every you know, several months, we'll say, hey, who's on your six? Who's out there? Because the ministry we do, we do ministry here in the building. There's programs, and there's worship services and stuff that goes on. But really beautiful ministries also out there in your neighborhoods, in your, and at the gym, and at the coffee shop, and everywhere you can go. And we want to know that and be praying together for that. So it's, um, but who knows who else you know, you're praying for? I think about the beauty of gospel partnerships. Today, Javier um, is celebrating his ministry that he's been such a beautiful partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ over these um, oh, seven, eight years now. And I remember, it was, it was about 15 years ago, I was at a meeting with I was a youth pastor, I was meeting with some other youth pastors, and a youth pastor from Lawrence came in, and he had a young man, and he said, this young man is going to be a preacher, he's going to be a minister of the gospel, and, and he's got him, and he's like, we're sending him to Bible college, and he's our guy, and we're going to pray for him, and we pray for this guy. It was hot. And they sent him off to Bible college, and he got his and he came back to Lawrence and served the church there. And he came to us a number of years ago. And he was serving here in the children and the youth ministry. And I just see the good work God's done in his heart. And the good things that God has called him to. And I praise God to have gospel partners. And everybody needs gospel partners. If, you know, in your small group, in your family, we need them. Because we are lambs and wolves. We need each other. So uh, the first reality is that it's for everyone. The second reality of this ministry is that we are lambs among wolves. The third reality of the ministry of the others is that it happens best through relationships with people. So notice that Jesus is instructing them particularly to go to homes, to go to different people's homes. Um, not shouting in the streets, but in personal connections with people. That's where the beautiful message and ministry really um, goes for. Even today, there's people, even recently, who said, hey, how come we're not just out on the streets and just, just get on the street corner, go to Old Town Hall, stand up, and just proclaim Jesus, and just hand out, I don't know, little books, or do something, just get out there and shout. And I say, well, that's not, I mean, that's not the worst idea. It might be a little off-putting and, and culturally relevant, and, and you might turn people off, but yeah, some people do it. Most of the people I know who have come to faith in Jesus have come to faith through somebody they know and trust in a relationship. A parent, a family member, a co-worker, a friend who walked alongside them and shared about the love of Jesus over a period of time. Not just somebody shouting on the street corner. And here, Jesus, the emphasis of this ministry in 72 was certainly... In fact, actually look at what Jesus says. He says, don't... Stop. Don't greet anybody on the road. In verse 3, he said, don't stop and shout on the street. Uh, you actually just get to the houses. And, and back in Jesus' day, they had these lengthy greetings in the road, and there was these formalities that you were going to actually. So it would actually take a bit of time, and it's going to be pretty surfacy. What you're going to do is go to a house, and you're going to eat and serve you. And you're going to do this at the table. And you're not going to go from house to house to house. You're not going to go see what's the best, you know, Whatever, first century good food, and who said the best cookies and the best whatever. Um, you're gonna stay in a home, and, and you're gonna you're gonna do this good work of ministry. What is this ministry? Verse nine. You're gonna heal the sick who are there, and you're gonna tell them a message about the kingdom of God. So it's about 
It's about healing, and it's about a message. And it's all undergirded with prayer. Because remember, at the beginning, Jesus says, pray to the Lord the harvest first. Now I'm sending you. So with prayer, care, share. I'm sure this will be before. But prayer, care, share. That's ministry. Ministry starts with prayer. It undergirds the whole thing. We're praying for people. We're praying for opportunities. Uh, we're, we're, you know. And at the end of this message today, I want to pray for those people in your lives who, who you want to bring this message to. We all pray for that. But we care for people. We care by meeting needs, by sharing food, by sharing things, even just by sharing your time. We live in a world where people don't stop and listen and stop and hear a story and really understand where people are coming from. And we are people who listen and, and provide care in that way. Now, in, in, in Jesus' day, Jesus says, go and heal people. I'm, I am certain that there were miracles that were seen, that people were miraculously healed from different afflictions and things in their lives. But at the core of all healing is a freedom from things that just drag us down, from the pain of the world, from the pain of illness. And we still see miracles today. I've talked to way too many of you, and I know the situations, and God is still in the business of performing miracles. But whether it's through something miraculous or through something very, which would otherwise seem mundane, we can bring healing to our world through Jesus Christ. So we seek to care in His name. But we also share. We share the message of the kingdom. You can share the message of how you understood Jesus' love for the first time, how you were brought into that kingdom through Jesus. You can share the story of how God is rescuing the broken world and how all of our stories fit into it. Or you can share an invitation. But we prayer, care, share. We pray for people. And that's how we minister. And it happens best through relationships. Now, God might open the door with a stranger, and that's fantastic. But we, we need to be praying for those people we know who we can eat with and do life with. That's where it's going to best happen. Okay, so this ministry is for everyone. It's a lambs among wolves situation. It happens best in relationship. And lastly, the last reality of ministry of the other is that the stakes are very high. Look at verse 10. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town will wipe from our feet as a warning to you. We can be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come here. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Just an image of God's judgment. The message is a message that you accept it. You accept the peace of God, peace with God, the salvation that comes from that, it gives us hope, it gives us life. You reject that message, it's, it's, it's about living in, in death and judgment, separation from God. This is a very high stakes, this is a very serious matter. And maybe we don't feel the urgency of it as they may have these 72. Jesus' early followers, they thought it was going to end. I mean, they thought the world, here's the Messiah, it's Jesus. This world's coming to an end, you know, and now, and it was probably fairly extreme. Now, they didn't understand that Jesus was going to prepare a place, that he was, that we were going to be agents of that extension of his kingdom and working towards a kingdom that will, when he comes back, will know in its fullness. So we don't necessarily feel the urgency of that, yet it's not an excuse to us, because the, the, the stakes are still high. It's, it's a very serious matter. And, to be honest, we, we live in a world 
that, that doesn't want, you know, many people don't want us to share the message of Jesus. People will say, you Christians, I like you enough. You're okay. But you really shouldn't be telling other people they need to put their faith in Jesus. That's actually not a good thing to do. People have their own views of the world, and you should not be pushing yours on them. That's not good in its people. It's actually bad. So please keep it private to yourself. The problem with that, though, is as Christians, we're not just sharing a philosophy of life. We're sharing about what we believe is an objective reality in the world, that Jesus, a historic reality, that Jesus came and that he died and then he rose again from the life. And then that, that changes everything. And for those of us, many of you here, who have experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ in the very presence of the Holy Spirit, you know that you have to share. You, you, you can't not share. So you, you, you know that's the case, but people say, yeah, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. What that person is doing in that moment is they are sharing their view of the world with you. Their view of the world is that people shouldn't share faith stuff. And they are then pushing that view on you. Actually, everybody should share my view of the world that you don't share faith stuff. They're doing the exact thing that they're encouraging you to not do. Does that make sense? So they're saying you shouldn't share your view of the world, which includes this Jesus thing. You need to adopt my view of the world, which says don't share things such as that. And then by doing that, they become, you know, at best inconsistent and worst hypocritical. I showed this with my daughter at dinner last night. She said, Dad, that's confusing. Don't, don't do that. Nobody's going to follow us. She has such wisdom. Um, I was about to say, does that make sense? But I don't even want to ask the question. <laughs> if you've experienced the saving love of God through Jesus, um, you know we can't keep it to ourselves. We know people say, well, faith, their worldview is that faith is some private thing. We say, no, the, the, the stakes are very high. The God of the universe is reaching out for his love and you know it. And it's beautiful and it's good and you can be forgiven of everything in your life and you can know the God of the universe and, and that's, that's powerful. And that's the, that is the ministry that we have that we bring to the world. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray to you. You are the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of all. And we pray that you would send out workers. And that you would send us out, Lord, as your workers. And send us. And we know that we're lambs among wolves, Lord. We accept that. Help us to not be distracted by the things in this world. Keep us safe. Thank you for the beautiful partnerships of ministry and gospel partners to walk this road with. And I pray, Lord, that as we go in relationship with people we love, that we would that we would care for them, that we would share your good news with everyone we can, Lord. And Lord, because the stakes are high, we, we lift them to you. And I, I just encourage you where you're sitting right now, just, um, just bring to mind, just picture the people in your life who you will see this week who don't know Jesus. Just, just picture their faces, picture the places where you will see them and interact with them. Father, as you bring to mind these faces, these people who you created in your image, we pray a blessing over their lives. We pray that you would open doors for the good news 